This is Jeremy Corbell, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy. I am joined on today's show by a returning guest, journalist, researcher, filmmaker, director, co-host of the hugely successful Weaponized Podcast with George Knapp, and regular front row attendee of subcommittees on UFOs, (coughs) Jeremy Corbell. Jeremy, welcome back. Thanks, man. So good to talk with you, Andy. It's so good to talk with somebody who has an opinion and is informed to a high degree in what's going on. Your last comment was hilarious. Yes, I know. I don't read social media a lot. It's so just bizarre to me. They do call me the haunt. I get that, you know, but let's demystify that. Why was I sitting there? Why am I always there behind people? Blah, blah, blah. You know, let, let's let, let's really get to ground zero on the UFO topic together today as best we can as people that have never met in person. You yep. know, let, let's do that on everything. Yeah, um, no pressure on me, but yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> so let, let's start there. So Jeremy, I've got down and peek behind the actor's curtain. I write basic notes and I've got a line I'm quite proud of here. And it's, uh, without sounding like I'm singing a Bare Naked Ladies song, it's been one week, but what a week. Uh, do you want to take it from there? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're saying it's been one week since the historic UFO hearings. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yes. Right. Man, I am living in the twilight zone. Like just to be absolutely blunt with you um that took an effort beyond human like it was like to to have that hearing happen to have it happen concisely with everything that we were up against it is no secret i helped organize it it's not some fucking puppeteering svengali kind of thing man i was just trying to get people to be heard and i was trying to get people to be heard that have something to say. So two out of those three witnesses are really close friends of mine. I'm I'm really close friends now because we've been through everything together with Commander David Fravor, really close friends now with David Grush, and they are straight freaking shooters. I'm pretty close with Ryan Graves, and you know we talk and that kind of thing, and I am 100% behind what Ryan is doing. But to get those three heroes those three gentlemen up there because they're not all whistleblowers like that's another thing we should kind of clarify there was one whistleblower you had two top gun pilots you know obviously commander fravor is a a senior pilot he was head of the black aces um so commander you know but each of those gentlemen up there whistleblower or not because the other two aren't pilots aren't They did the greatest service for this topic that I can imagine, which is that they, under oath, which was a fight, they all wanted to be under oath. I fought, I fought to make sure they were under oath. So did other people, made sure. But to get them up there for the first time in history where you don't have suits, whose job it is to obfuscate, be uninformed before they go in, to refuse UFO briefings before they testify, in front of Congress, like to finally have people with firsthand direct either eyewitness or I've engaged UFO like Commander Fravor to someone like David Grush, who has the firsthand experience of 
finding misappropriation of funds related to UAP reverse engineering and exploitation programs. Oh, he's a firsthand witness for that 100%. And let's dive deeper into that. But here's the deal. To have them under oath standing there in front of the world in an incredible committee that was bipartisan. You got AOC. And I don't know if people know about American politics. I'm really ignorant. I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm ignorant to it. I just don't know all the information. But I could see to have AOC on one side and the UFO truth warrior, Tim Burchett, on the other side. And I don't know their politics, but I saw that and I was like, damn, dude, something big just happened. So I have not had a chance to reflect on what has happened until literally right now. Like this is the first time I'm actually trying to absorb it. It was historic, Andy. It was historic for the world. It was historic for UAP transparency. It was the first of its kind and it's not going to be the last. There are things in motion right now that are so mind boggling and they're going to happen. I've uh, I've made a promise to myself and some listeners I'm going to try and stop using the phrase, you know, forgetting their politics, because that's something I've said quite a lot. And like yourself, I mean, I'm not based in the US, but I'm ignorant or none the wiser to certain people's politics. And I don't particularly care um, <laughs> about their politics either. I'm, I'm not a political person. And I just think it's great that people who can people should be able to have differences of opinion on all kinds of matters. And they shouldn't stop talking because of it. And you see people falling out who are friends over these types of things. You've got to disagree because it's the only way people will learn and learn from each other and learn different things, different cultures, different ways of thinking, and then come to either a new way of thinking or working out the best way of thinking. And I think seeing these kind of bipartisan issues coming together, bipartisan folks like this is, is a huge win for the UFO topic, isn't it? And I think it's been a win for the UFO topic overall this last week. The The headlines around the world were, were grabbed, which was fantastic, at, least, at least for a time. Um, okay. I thought there was maybe 48 to 72 hours where it seemed to explode. There was the Thursday, the Friday, yeah. the Saturday. I think in the UK, it certainly, it certainly tailed off. In the United States, it appeared to have been a bit more positive. I was looking on social media to see, is that is that stayed through this week's news cycle? Obviously, the Trump stuff blew up, because of course it does. It's, you know, that's what happens. Something else comes along. But I wonder, from your vantage point, and sitting there front row and seeing this unfold, are you already thinking, how does this momentum stay? How do we keep this going? Man, no. I am so far ahead of that. Like, so... I try to, I'm, so just, uh, I apologize to your audience. I am tired, man. I have been running so hard and I, I don't read the news because the second I do that, I start reflecting and other than getting emotional because I'm so excited, uh, I feel like I'm wasting time from what needs to be done. So people will send me screen grabs of like, or, or links, like you should look at this you should, you know, see what's going on and then I'll maybe comment. But I, I I have not opened the news. Like I have screens in my hand, phones, everything. I just don't want to. Like, I, I don't know if it's waxing or waning. And also, I don't think it should be in the news constantly, constantly, constantly. I think there are other huge issues that we are facing mm -hmm. on planet Earth that are very terrestrial. Obviously, this is a 
paradigm shifting, just consensus reality shifting thing, you know, the UFO thing, um, if it is what it appears to be, or even if it's not, and we should talk about that, the difference, the conspiracy of if this is not, right? It's something that is so, I learned a new word, ontological, ontologically shocking, right? It, it's such a, a change to the paradigm mm -hmm. of, the, of the ecosystem and the fabric of reality that we live in that it, it, I think it should be slow. There should be waves for people to, to catch up with what's going on. Like if people caught up all at once right now, yeah, it would be too shocking to really understand the basics of life. I mean, that's really where we're at. So one case here, one case there, this person says that, none of that fucking matters. None of it. It's either true or it's not true. The question is, what's true? And that is where we need to get to ground zero and we need to get to consensus reality of what we think is true. And then these varied opinions are so important. That's why I don't, I, I don't even block people anymore, even if they're vile and hatred and you know they want to see me imprisoned, you know, for reporting the news, which I've seen, you know, people will send me those a lot. Dude, I don't even give a fuck. Like the honey badger. If you've ever seen that video, it's hilarious. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen that video? The honey badger. The honey badger don't give a fuck. You never seen that video? Nah. Oh my lord, it's one of the funniest comic movies. Look that up. It's I'll send you a link. It's one of the funniest uh, videos ever. I don't give a fuck. Like where I'm at is I'm operating based on a place of uh, action and information. And I am trying to get closer to that truth. Everybody would love to see, I'm sure I'm told, you know, see me fuck up on one thing to try to discredit other things. And, and here's the deal, man. People say, are oh, you living rent free in your head or that's some saying, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Dude, I own the parent corporation that owns the corporation that runs your management company that's owned by the person that owns the house that I am literally living in, in your head. Because here's the deal, man. I don't give one thought, not one thought to just even the, the negative opinion of what's going on. I know what's going on, which is that we're getting closer to the truth. I, I don't know what that truth is. But isn't that the most important thing is to come to a collective understanding, separating fact from fantasy. So, so that's, um, that's the, that's the mission, man. Now, again, I'm super tired, Andy, but I'm 100% with you. So this is the first time I'm able to unpack this, reflect and talk about specifics. So let's do it. Yeah, well, let's talk about specifics then. So uh, David Grush came out as the, the rock star of these hearings, and that oh, yeah. was the general consensus from sure. and that, to, to talk down about David Fravor or Ryan Graves. Yeah, um, they're amazing. have been well told as well. They've been on huge platforms. Ryan, of course, has his own merged podcast, which is fantastic as well. Um, David Grush, however, 
you, you talk about everyone catching up to this at the same time would be too much of a shock for the general populace. And I feel even those of us with an interest in the UFO topic all of a sudden found ourselves backing a different horse very quickly uh, and almost in the case, in the space of two hours and 20 minutes because David Grush said the things that really caught the imagination and attention of, of the world's media. Um, first off, sitting so close to the action, you were there, you were, you were right behind him. Your forearm is now famous because it was in shot the whole time. Um, My <laughs> forearm? It was just in shot the whole time I was watching it. It was I was very aware, yeah. Um, that one, yeah, that was it. But, this one, yeah, yeah, that'll be the one. You you were kind of there behind David Grush, and as he was talking, what was that like? Because you could not only see David, but you got a peek behind the curtain where his lawyer Chuck McCullough was also sitting very close to him, wasn't he as well? And you could hear bits of the conversation or some of the direction that was going on at the time as yeah. well. Oh, yeah, but that wasn't by accident. So, so let's demystify that. Why was the bearded guy with four names behind these guys? Okay, because not only did I nominate them, I educated people on why I thought that they should be the ones that people are heard from. Now, it's, it's a nomination. I don't control that, right? But like Ryan Graves, people need to hear what Ryan Graves has to say. Commander David Fravor, people need to hear what he has to say because he engaged a UFO. We're going to say chased for now, but there's more to it. So he engaged one. And, and that's um, a complicated series of thoughts and words that we can get to to understand that. And then David Grush. Look, one day people will understand. But, you know, he came to, to George Knapp and and to me and i happened to be rolling at that time because he was really worried about his his self um his physical body he's worried about himself right why chuck is sitting behind david grush is because that's what we were told was going to happen isn't it natural when somebody is has an active complaint and is represented by a lawyer that that lawyer would be there. So Chuck would say things like, careful, no, careful, because David Grush just, you know, he's ready to tell the world what it is that he knows, what it is that he thinks, what it is that he saw, and what it is that he did. And he is ready to tell people both hostile and non-hostile, or, you know, uh, I don't know what you call it, but like witnesses that want to talk directly from these reverse engineering UFO programs, exploitation for derivative technology, legacy UFO programs, and so much more. So when we're sitting there, I'll just give it, I'll shoot you straight, right? Which is that um, George and I were supposed to testify verbally right there under oath. And we started realizing that there was pushback about this whole thing happening. Notice how David Grush did not get a skiff and it was not because of his clearances. You know, he has clearances. Every clearance that you could possibly have, that he could possibly have, he still has and maintains. People need to understand when you leave government, if you don't maintain that clearance, 
then your pay grade goes way down. Like, what is this guy going to do? Just the, the side hustle of real estate. What is he going to do? Right? So he has those clearances. So the idea he didn't get a skiff, which is ridiculous to me. It's absolutely ridiculous. And we're finding out who the specific person was that stopped that because we got questions for him. That's what George and I are doing because George and I have been in skiffs like straight up to, to, it's so funny, man. We journalists know more and are more informed than a lot of Senate and Congress and, and people in position who should know. So, you know, for our country, for the good of our country, but also for the good of the topic, if we can provide the basics, not about sources, but the basics and it's factual and we can prove it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do that. So the fact that they, who, and who are they? We can talk about that. But the fact that there was such a struggle to just have your lawyer behind you, I was not fucking having that. That's for sure. So when you see Chuck McCullough there and you see him behind David Grush, it's because he represents him legally. And it's because he Compass Rose did not drop, did not drop David Grush. In fact, and I think that's public through the BBC thing. And if not, you should probably cut this out until they announce it. But I think it's announced. Chuck McCullough is his lawyer, dude. He stuck with him. And there's probably a really good reason why. Because Chuck McCullough, for people that don't know, is the intelligence community inspector general former. Which means this is a guy who's the cops against the intelligence community. Or not against, but for. We'll say for. The intelligence community. This dude, Chuck McCullough should have been sitting right behind him so his client could hear him. And that was an issue? No, dude, wasn't having it. And why you got George Knapp scrunched, do you see him all scrunched up there? Yeah. It's because we had to move people to your visual left to make sure that the lawyer that needs to protect David Grush from saying something that would then compromise the active investigation, by the way, into him, but mm -hmm. also the active invasion that he, the active inve investigation he started, the one with his ICIG whistleblower complaint under the presidential PPD 19 Act or whatever the hell it is. So, man, I, I am so like, I was so furious that that was like a thing we had to fight for. And why you see nobody next to me? Besides, there were reserved seats for witnesses. Yeah. It's probably because people should be and are quite afraid that I might bite their head off, which is true at that point. I mean, come on, man. You know, we're sitting in a room where people need to do what they need to do, and they're risking their personal safety for it. Straight up, one guy in there was risking his personal well-being for it. And so, yeah, you got to have the fucking lawyer behind you. So that's anyway, I'm sorry, I get fired up, but th that that's why we were there. So luckily, I don't know if people know this yet, but George and I did submit congressional testimony that was put onto congressional record. Did you know that? Tim Burchett at the start of the hearing, that was on video. He mentions, I've got statements from Jeremy Cobell, George Knapp. These are going into record. And yes, that's what I was going to come to. Those statements haven't been widely reported on. Do you want okay. to talk about those now then? Sure, we can talk about those. Um, I, I think that they're additive to what you guys saw. I think the important thing was that David Grush, Commander Favor, and Lieutenant, um, Lieutenant Graves 
were sitting there and were telling the world publicly what they knew. That's the important part. I almost yeah. slipped and said Underwood because, you know, he was somebody, you know, we were thinking about in that, you know, Commander Chad Underwood was the man that actually filmed the Tic Tac UFO. But, you know, he's kind of told you what you needed to hear about that. He's provided the world um, an explanation of the, the leaked footage. So that's why I kind of was slipping there because there was a lot of people. I'll tell you this before I tell you about our statements. I had with George two people that have direct firsthand knowledge of the legacy UFO programs who are high up in government from or worked with agencies that didn't testify, but they were on like a a yes trajectory and that got sabotaged. It got sabotaged in a way that I hope one day the world can hear. So before I talk about what George and I submitted, let's talk about what we didn't submit. George Knapp had, I'll just say, 140 page plus document that he wanted to make public. And protect me if I don't protect myself because my brain is scrambled. Man, I'm just like tired. But George said that it is true. We were in a room. We tried to submit it. He tried to submit it because he obtained it, you know, multiple sources, that kind of thing. And it details a lot of stuff scientifically about the Tic Tac UFO that we thought the world should know. And we thought it was safe to do so. Everything was good. And George really quickly got the message that if that was done, that sources would be burned, pensions would be pulled, that, you know, if we can't find out who, George, to protect your sources, then we're going to go after everybody. Now, that was the most shocking, first most shocking moment that I had is watching George Knapp protect his sources in real time because we wanted to give an unclassified, he wanted to give an unclassified document on public record. So I just want people to know what was not submitted. And George Knapp is the only person that can tell you the rest of that story. He's the only person. So you should get him to do that for you. If you can ask uh, George to check his email inbox, he's got about three from me from the last week. So I'll I'll get back to you after we we finish recording on this, Jeremy. George Knapp is the hardest person for most people to contact. Um, and it's not because he's, he's cagey, although he can be cagey. Um, it's because the amount of stuff that comes at us, we have to prioritize right now. What's important right now. What's the strongest punch that we can throw to get closer to the, to the truth right now. So, you know, don't take personal offense, man. And it's not an excuse that someone's busy. It's It's just our, our emails and unfortunately now my new secret number, the phone is like a Vegas slot machine at midnight. There, there's just no way. There's no way. I have not opened emails since before the hearing. So, you know, I can understand George now, but yeah, yeah. I, anyway, heard. And Jeremy, you're a, you're a busy guy and it's only taken me a further nine months since I last asked you to come back on. So um, it's been really quick, a really quick <laughs> I'm process. So sorry. No, no, no. I'm listen. so sorry, brother. I'm, I'm, 
I'm grateful for you. And yeah, it's it's hard to find time because we all need time for our our puppies who are, are sitting by me and, and our wives and our families and you know the, the things that are truly important. So it, it's hard to find that time. Now, to get to your point, because I'll, I'll go on strange tangents because I'm so tired. What did we submit? One, one thing before that, because you mentioned, uh, and this is relevant to what you said about people who, two witnesses potentially coming on. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but when I spoke to Timbershit, uh two weeks ago now, you were very kind to come on the end of that one with us at the That's time. Right. Yeah, That's that right. must, that'll seem like a lifetime ago now, I'm sure. Um, Timbershit mentioned trying to get someone from NASA on board to oh, speak yeah. at the hearing. Is that something that you'll have been aware of given your involvement? And again, is that something that fell by the wayside and just never got over the line? So I am puzzled by a few things that happened. Let's just say a few, right? I am puzzled by it. And, you know, I'm thinking maybe I'll just post about it and like talk a little bit about NASA. I understand it. We're all on the same team. I, I don't want to, you'll notice besides my little memo to Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick the other day on social, like I don't talk shit about people. I just, I don't have the time. It's a waste of my time. If people can't figure it out who the bad actors are, if people can't figure it out, who's got an agenda that's not about truth. You know, I'm just asking questions. If, if people can't figure it, that out, that's not my problem. But when you talk about NASA and you're asking a specific question, do I know what went down? Yeah, to a high degree, for sure. I was, you know, very involved with the organization of attempting to get people heard. I want to give you some off the cuff comments about that. Okay. So it's just off the cuff. Um, it is puzzling to me that NASA, with an extraordinary durational amount of high fidelity, I'll say data, because it's not just visual, but it is visual. And some of it is classified and some of it is unclassified from my understanding. But let's just say high quality, high fidelity data, NASA that they have this big thing where they say, we're, we're going to get into this. And they have all these scientists who are on that board. And you, you know what I'm talking about, that public event? Yep. And it was like, oh my gosh, we people are so mean to us. We just, we're doing this and we're getting hate comments. And I'm like, yo, NASA, welcome to the world of weaponized extraordinary beliefs. Like, yeah, man, we do need to destigmatize it. So if you watched that presentation by NASA, which was probably months ago now, you're like, yeah, like, welcome. The water is not warm. Like, the stigma is real, and you are now experiencing that. And we're not going to listen to your complaints. You have not been doing your job. You have been asleep at the wheel. And I am not talking about the people that were on that panel who are probably some of them righteous people who want to look at the UAP or UFO phenomenon. We need them. We need them. But just this idea that they were pushing transparency so much and they were pushing destigmatization, if you listened, so much, but that their, their 
rejection of being part of this hearing, ooh, it might be about UFOs. Ooh, that might look bad for us scientists. You're doing it to your fucking self. What are you doing? So whoever says that, you know, they didn't participate because of X, Y, or Z. No, they're wrong. That was pure stigma. But also tell you something else. That NASA panel does not have access to anything classified. So what are they doing? Looking at TikTok videos? Now, they have high fidelity, high quality data and information. But if you keep that classified, or if you repurpose satellites from NASA to look at the UFO phenomenon with specific algorithms that will help clarify so you don't have to look through everything, even if you use that on the historical stuff NASA has, oh my gosh, you got everything right there. So this idea that NASA didn't participate, I'm glad. They're not ready. They're like karate kid at the beginning like wax on wax off go clean some cars you better get yourself ready if you want to participate on something like that opportunity that was just created do you understand what i'm saying yeah i had a doctor nadia drake on who's part of that panel and her her father's francis drake drake equation fame um and dude he taught it where where i taught jujitsu and went to college you see santa cruz yeah. Professor Drake, man, he was in, he was there. That's so cool. So, and, and do you know what? She was lovely, and it was quite divisive an episode because I think many folks have misunderstood what that NASA panel was originally set out to do, and it's it's probably going to underwhelm for a lot of folks that they've expected it to be about let's go find the UAP videos, and it never was. It was all about how could we study if there's something there to study. And as folks expecting this report to come out and say, here's the videos. And like you say, they never had access to it anyway. I got the feeling from Nadia, she didn't really have an interest in UFO, UAP anyway around that. And it was very much about the the scientific study. And I feel there's a huge disconnect from what Bill Nelson's interest is in the subject. And it comes across as very... I'm all about UAP. He's been in briefings. We know that well, he from his knows previous a lot role. more. Sh- he knows a lot more yeah. shit than those scientists do. It but hold on, let me pause. That doesn't you. seem to filter, though. Let me pause you. I want you to finish, but go. We need the scientists. We need to encourage them. Yeah. To look at this now, a lot of them because of the stigma. Even though they're saying we shouldn't have stigma, or trying to reduce it, they'll be like, "Oh, it's not really about UAP. It's it's about you know flight safety of pilots and that kind of thing." Bull fucking shit. It's about UAP. Now, the question is, are you woman enough? Are you man enough to jump in there and put your egotistical, hubristic concepts that are dinosauric? Are you ready to put those aside because the evidence will teach you otherwise? And are you willing to stop being a careerist? And are you willing to look at the data that is provided to you? And are you willing to fight for the data that already exists from multiple platforms and sensor systems that, by the way, you own and operate off of our taxpayer dollars, are you willing to do what's right? That is what those scientists at NASA should be asking themselves. Without even saying the word UFO, without even saying extraterrestrial or God forbid the word alien or even non-human intelligence, Put all that aside. Are you willing to be a scientist, Mr. or Mrs. Scientist? That's the question. 
I feel though it's a bit like if I give the tw- if I give twenty fishermen a huge pond to fish in, and I remove all the fish, and then tell them what's the best way to fish this pond. Never mind what's going to be in it. They're they're going to come back a little bit. Well, I c- I can give you some rough ideas, but yeah, yeah, forget the fish. They'll they'll be there eventually, but. That that's what it seems it was it was a little bit like, and actually some of those fishermen aren't particularly interested in fish either. That's that's the way it kind of came across. So are all are all you, you're Scottish? Yeah. Are all Scots? Is that how you say all Scots? Yeah, yeah. Are all Scots as good at like parables and metaphors and and allegories as you? No, just me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I used to think like, um, I, it's so funny, man. My buddy's Greek. And this dude is a mystic. His name is Asimakis Pagidas. And he is like really my one of my best, best friends. And he and my, my buddy Mikey side. And Mikey, I've known since I was three. And he used to uh, tease me about the UFO thing because he's a Harvard-educated, read-the-classics kind of guy. you know. Um, no, but he's just taking the piss out of me. He's super funny. But these guys are so extraordinary. Um, I used to think like Greek, all Greeks must be like my friend. Like all of them must be like my friend, like some mystic guy, right? Turns out, no, he's just a weirdo. So maybe you're <laughs> just a weirdo, you know? 100%. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that label. Listen, we, we're being too nice to each other. Let's get back to the, the meat and potatoes of this because yeah, people yeah. will be saying, shut up, you guys, and get on with it. There's a lot to talk about. And you mentioned- okay, I'll, your... I'll, I'll answer directly. What do you we're want? Going, Let's go. We're going right back to your statements because we sidetracked from it um so what is the importance of you and george knapp submitting statements what what were the what was the crux of what those statements said and why are they there sure so what i tried to do was i tried to provide an estimate of the situation from the best of my knowledge where i'm standing right now what i what i think to be true what i what i know is true and what we should be aiming for and a warning if you if you read the last of it so yeah. what i tried to do was encapsulate what the public is is wondering thinking and knowing and try to put that in a form that anybody can read throughout history and say in 2023 without getting into any specific cases i would like to just say this is where a lot of us are at that's what I did. George Knapp, he broke it down. He got as specific as you as as was proper in a congressional submission that is going on to congressional record. And he talked about uh, OSAP. He talked about the term ATIP. He talked about his relationship with Harry Reid, if I recall all this, right? He, he, he really tried to throw down and very specifically, he tried to say, this ain't new. I broke the story a long time ago. There's there was another government with classified documents that I smuggled out of Russia that basically said UFOs are real. We've been studying, and by the way, we know you're studying. We know how many satellites you got in America back in this is like the 90s, I believe. What was it? 90s. We know what you've been doing. We know about Roswell. We know about all of this. And so he brought those classified documents back to the United States during Glasnost and Perestroika when, you know, the the country was falling as we know it. And there was a sense of openness and optimism. So he put all that in his congressional statement to kind of highlight and pinpoint, this is not new. We are not the only government that's been doing this generationally. This is important. And there you go. So, So, yeah, look, man. There were five witnesses there, and, and and George and I were two of them, and we did our best to present that in a historic form where people could absorb it, 
take it, run with it, report on it, dig into it. That's what we did. And I'm, I'm real uh, honored that we were in the position to be able to even sit there. I can't believe people let me into rooms a lot of the time. You know, I'm like the inspector Crusoe of UFOs, man. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm doing my best and that's the best I can do. So that was a cool thing. That's what we dropped. Those were the statements. I think a lot of folks just assume, Jeremy, you turn up and just manage to get their front row. But I think the the what you gave us earlier, that context behind it, makes a lot of sense. And also the placement of Chuck and how difficult yeah. that was for, for him to... I'm saying Chuck, I don't know the guy, Mr. McCullough. Yeah. He worked hard enough to deserve that respect. Chuck. Um, you, you mentioned something I was going to ask later, but you've kind of brought it up, so let's just jump all over. Foreign governments, and particularly adversarial uh, governments as they are at the moment... Do you know at all, are they being asked in press settings about any of what's going on right now in the US? We see on, on the news bites that I see on social media, the, the White House, and they have their press call and the guys will put their hand up and see what's happening. Timber has been all over the news. Uh, Anna Paulina Luna has been all over the news. All kinds of politicians have. It's, it's big news in the United States. It was for a few weeks and it still is now. Is there no... China, famously very secretive. Russia has a lot on its plate currently. But are they not asking, you know, the guys in the US are talking about UFOs right now. What do we know about these? Or is that just not on the radar as far as you're aware? Yeah, I I need as a journalist to walk a really fine line right here. But here's the deal. They're hyper aware. And as you, okay, you know that that I have uh, spoken with uh, people in Canadian government uh, because I could directly report they're highly aware of the Five Eyes Alliance and the Five Eyes Foreign Materials Program. And that I didn't pull that out of thin air, right? So yep. I can attest to you that I've spoken with uh, people in positions to make a difference in Canada. What the farthest I can go right now is saying within the allied nations that, oh, yeah, like they're aware, like there are policymakers who call me and want to know, is this thing something we should model or follow after? I mean, just it's just an opinion from a bearded guy with four names, right? This is just an opinion. But I'm, I'm happy to give other government uh, individuals who have position to influence the level of transparency regarding the UAP UFO presence on planet Earth that is ubiquitous around the globe, durationally, generationally, which has an uptick, which has an increased frequency, not just because our sensor systems are are better, but because there actually is. I am happy to provide an informed opinion on how they can replicate what we're doing here in the US. But you have to understand, the country you're sitting in right now UK, there is a much bigger stigma. Yeah. Socially. And you know that. But people, I think in our country, in the US, that they need to know that. So there are some things which are share with five eyes. There's some things that are no share, you know, with anybody. So other countries are looking with bated breath. They are watching this to see one. Are we going to get caught with our pants down? We don't want to lose trust from our citizens. And you saw that in that actual letter from Larry McGuire 
MP in Canada, just read it. He's saying we should get ahead of this because we don't want to lose trust with our people, with our countrymen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of nations are feeling that way because they realize that shit is coming out. So, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is people don't want to be excluded and they don't like being lied to. And there's been a lot of that. So we got to get to a ground zero on are UFOs real? Are we doing reverse engineering on them? Has that been occurring for a long time? Has that been hidden from public and other government institutions? And if so, has it been illegal? And if that's true, what would change? My dad used to say something. He used to say, don't be surprised when people act in character. And that works for governments too. So if there's something that's been done illegally before, do you think that's going to stop now? The censorship, the pressure, you know what everybody wants? Everybody wants to for Dave Grush to be slaughtered. These, these people involved want Dave Grush slaughtered because if he's slaughtered, then all the people, the legions of people lined up to tell you what's up, they'll take that message and they'll run. They'll run away. So everybody's watching right now. How is David Grush, as an American patriot who is a whistleblower, how is he being treated? What's going to happen to him? And he knows that. He knows he's on the line, but he is a symbol. What we did was a symbol. It was permission. It gave permission to people holding one of the biggest secrets of human existence, gave him permission if David Grush is handled uh, with respect and honor and they look into what he said and try to verify or try to disprove what he said. And from a hundred different directions, I think people maybe don't understand. I listen to a lot of radio and just the tone of a newsreader and the way one single question is asked, just the inflection they put on the final word can really make or break how a story is perceived by the listener. And I think especially in an audio format, and that's why I'm such a big podcast fan, it's it's a much more powerful medium, I think, still than than TV. Um, David Grish was on BBC4 World News last night, along with Chuck McCullough, although you may not know that, given how short the piece was. It was about four minutes long. The newsreader, I felt, came across a little bit derisory, a little bit of hesitancy, lack of knowledge, lack of context. I imagine the questions were given to them by a producer who's gone and researched it very quickly. Um, Why do you think and how do we get to the point, before we get back to hearings and stuff, that a David Grush, given his impeccable credentials, which he has, starts to be taken seriously by that sort of mainstream media? I mean, Jeremy, I've never been to Canada, but I've seen enough and know that it exists because enough people have told me and I've seen enough about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so so what is the specific question? Because I have a hundred things running through my mind yeah, to tell so, you. so like, an organization like the BBC gets to speak to a David Grush and his lawyer. They spend four minutes asking him not very much and it still comes across rather mockingly and derisory. And I think a million, oh, people, a hearing, a million people hearing that, I think turn that off and say, well, nothing to this and move on. How does that change? Yeah, that, that, that's a shame. But um, so let's talk about that on a few levels. First of all, 
David Grush is not running around trying to make a living off the UFO thing, like quite the opposite. Like he's mm. trying to be strategic in here's what I know. How do we get that forward within government in the appropriate ways, but also to the American people? That's what a whistleblower is, right? So probably in, uh, I'm going to say probably, but like I, I, mean, I talk to them all the time, like obviously they think BBC is like a big deal. Well, sure. That's, yes. that's great. Yeah. That's great. But if they don't know, like you're saying, and that's unfortunate, I haven't heard it, haven't you know been able to hear that, but don't blame the BBC. Don't, you know, don't blame the producer. Don't blame the anchor or whatever you call it on radio. Like everybody is catching up. It's like that movie, Don't Look Up, and all of a sudden people can see it now, yeah. right? The object in the sky, if you know that movie. Yeah. So we have to be kind of very patient if we've been into this and, you know, been on the news um, and in the news and making the news and trying to decipher it. We have to be really patient with people because everybody is, is most people are doing the best they can do. Um, that is so unfortunate to hear that the BBC didn't have good questions because you give me 30 seconds to ask Dave Grush questions publicly, like me and George Knapp. Oh, you're going to learn more in that 30 seconds than you have since you've heard his name, because I know what I can ask, what he can answer. And, you know, George and I have vetted him before anybody. You know, we know for a fact that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, that he saw and heard and has direct certain types of direct firsthand knowledge that he did. So I don't know. To answer that question, just be patient with everybody. Everybody's catching up. Um, these producers have the hardest job on planet earth. I know cause they call and text all the time, man, they're trying to throw stuff together in real time and there's stuff breaking all the time. So I hope that answers your question. Just have patience with everybody and every opinion, unless they start lying to you, unless they publicly try to harass people for a false agenda. And unless they are pushing something they know is incorrect just to get attention. Those people I have no, no time for done because this is too important to fuck around. I think I've been pleasant and nice for long enough on this interview, Jeremy. And I said to you, I do my very best to be positive. This is a huge win for the UFO topic, the UFO yes. community, for folks like George Knapp, who have gone back 30, 40 years on this topic, Ross Coulthard, Bryce Abel, Jeremy Corbell, and all the others who have done a lot of work. I've got a concern coming out of the hearing, and you can address this for me. I'm a David Grush, and I sit there and I tell people live on TV that I have given the names and locations of basically where the spacecraft are, the crashed craft and materials, the biologics to the IG, and they can go and, and find this stuff. Now, I've given names and locations. At that point, do those locations not have the time to then move that material? Surely by the time anyone gets there, it's gone. And I would imagine the, the power that these folks have, they would find out that they're being come after well before David Grush even makes that statement live on TV. Is that fair? 
that is all for part one. Part two will be out in the next couple of days. You can listen to this episode already in full, ad-free and with no sponsors for less than the price of a coffee. If you head on over to Patreon or Apple, you can subscribe to the podcast for less than the price of a coffee or take up the two weeks free trial that are available on those platforms. You can head on over to Spotify and search That UFO Podcast Premium and get access to this episode in full no adverts no sponsorships and also with some extra bonus content as well thanks for listening folks it wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer more like a hubcap designed by chaucer a little baroque and quite steampunk like alice was playing bass for the parliament of Fuck. the little fucker hovered right outside of my window and when i shoved out the screen he made it an issue i don't think he expected me to see his ass but i'd had some champagne and smoke